Well, thank you very much for that, Dad. And I just want to wish everybody a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but there's many things that I love about Christmas. Contrary to what David said last week, I really enjoy <laughs> presents. And... Um, Especially when they're age appropriate and uh, not war DVDs for a 19 year old boy. Um, I'm very fortunate that I'm part of a family who, uh, I've, just, I've just slated John there and he's looking, he's looking demoralised. He deserves it, does he? You are? Wait till you open your Well, okay, well, we'll see. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I'm part of a family who. Uh, uh, have a good time at Christmas and we, we enjoy each other's company and have a laugh. I know that's not the case for everybody, um, but yeah, God's, in all honesty, God's been, has blessed me in that sense and I'm thankful for it. Um, and I also enjoy the music and the decorations and the films at Christmas. A few nights ago, we watched The Muppets Christmas Carol. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, I was very skeptical about watching it. But Becky forced my hand a little bit, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. What a great music score. <laughs> but, but, in all honesty, while these are really enjoyable and pleasant things, they don't even come close at all to the real reason for Christmas. And as a church, through the Advent period, we've been looking at John chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 to 14 about Jesus being the living word and the light. And it's my job this morning, on this Christmas morning, to look at the wonder of the living word and the light. So we're just going to turn to John chapter 1 and I'm going to read from verses 10 to 14. And it says this, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man either, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And intentionally this morning, I just want to bring out a few thoughts from these three wonderful verses, because I'm sure you can agree that there's so much in these verses that we could draw out, and really we could probably do a six-part series on these three verses alone. So forgive me if I uh, just don't touch on certain things, it's just because I'm, I'm scared of your turkeys not burning. And... Um, but firstly, I want to, well, I'm going to look at three things in particular. And the first thing I want to look at is the wonder that God makes us his children. And the verses I read before highlighted that for those who receive Jesus Christ, we're given the right to become children of God. And when a person accepts Jesus, they become God's child. This isn't a work of themselves. But it's a work of God. God is the one who makes us his child. Now, many people in this country don't believe in God at all. But there's this general notion when you speak to them 
that if there is an afterlife, how they've lived on earth will define what happens to them. A friend of mine a couple of weeks ago was telling me that basically he gives money to charity and he tries to be kind to other people. So therefore, if there's a God, he will feel that he is uh, he's done enough to answer to God. However, um, whilst we can do good things, these are nowhere near enough and will never be enough to buy us back to God and for God to make us his children. The truth is this morning is that mankind is still the same as it always has been since the fall in the Garden of Eden. There's a great divide between mankind and a holy, loving father, which is caused by the wrongdoing and selfishness and godless living that we've all done. The Bible calls this sin, and it's everywhere we look around us. In the morning, I, um, I wish I was really holy and started the day in deep prayer. I'll be really honest with you, I'm not very good in the morning. So the first thing, and, and, and Becky's shaking her head in agreement because she's the opposite. Now, the first thing I do in the morning, in all honesty, and this is to my shame, I pick up my phone because I'm probably quite addicted to my phone, and I flick over and I look at what the headlines are, all right? And, uh, or if I've had any messages. But when you look at the headlines, you'll often see every day, it's stories of greed, of abuse of some sort, of affairs, of murder. This thing of sin is all around us. But it's not just there in the media, is it? If we're really honest, it's in our circles too. And it's in our friends and families. And if we look at ourselves soberly, it's in us too. Here are some examples of wrongdoing that the Bible calls sin. Can have the next slide, please? It says this, having, well, these are some examples of sin. Having lustful thoughts about others, hating other people, being envious of what others have got, getting so angry we can't control ourselves, not caring about other people, doing what we can to get what we want, being divisive, and they're just some examples. I could go on and on and on. And let's be really honest. Every single one of us can probably tick off most of those in our own hearts. And if, we, if there's some that we can't tick off, uh, I'm sure we know others around us who do tick those things off. Um, but God, he's not like that whatsoever. He's unstained by sin and evil. He's perfect in every way, and he's perfectly good all of the time. And yet God defines himself by love. The Bible says God is love, and he has a measurable love for everything that he has made. The Bible says we can't measure how high and how deep and how vast and how wide the love of God is. Now... I absolutely love going to the seaside. It's one of my favourite things to do in the world. If I'm having a bad time, myself and Becky on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon will drive up to Livam or St Anne's or Blackpool or somewhere that way. I'll have a little walk along the front. One of the things that amazes me as I look at the sea 
is just how vast it goes on and on and on and on uh, it is. It's quite terrifying in some ways. How deep it is as well. If you've ever seen a David Attenborough under the sea wildlife documentary, I'm sure you've seen it. It goes hundreds of meters deep and it's also very, very powerful. Um, when it's stormy at Blackpool, you see uh, the, the, the waves crash into the pier and come over the seawall and uh, it, it generally causes panic. And the Bible compares God's love to the sea in that how vast it is, how deep it is, and how powerful it is to a people, me, you, everyone out there who's done so wrong. And yet he loves us so much that he wanted to make us his children. And the wonder this Christmas time is because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus Christ into the world. And at Easter, we celebrate that Jesus Christ, the one who had never sinned, took all of our sin and was crucified on a cross so that we could be brought back into a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus taking our sins away at Easter means there no longer has to be a divide between a sinful people, me and you, and a holy God. It means that we can be brought perfectly into a loving relationship with Father God again. Now, bringing us to God and making us his children is a result of what Jesus did on the cross. But we have to play our part as well. If you don't know Jesus Christ this Christmas, I want to more than encourage you to come to know him. Because I can honestly say... It's the best thing I've ever done. Um, and I've been, as Graham alluded to before in prayer, he's freed me and saved me from so much. And that's the power of God. And bringing us to God is a work of what Jesus did on the cross. But as I said, we have to play our part. Firstly, we have to come to him acknowledging that we've done wrong and we want to walk a new way with God. And then we have to accept that he is Lord and ask him into our lives. And then the most amazing miracle of all takes place. We're forgiven of the stuff we've done wrong. We're restored into a right relationship with Father God. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to live better. It's quite incredible. The Bible describes this as being born again, or as the passage said before, being born of God. And by having the Holy Spirit living inside of us, I said that he, he helps us to live better, and he gives us a nature which is just like Jesus's. It's full of love, joy, kindness, and it's about loving God and loving other people. Now, we still have the other side of us as well. That's why Christians aren't perfect. Um, but God gives us the ability to live better if we choose to. So just as Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary that first Christmas, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to birth new life into people. 
This Christmas time, if you don't have a relationship with God and you don't know him as your father, you can. Having a relationship with God comes through receiving Jesus. And um, this is how we're made as child. It's mind-blowing. It almost seems unreal, too good to be true. But for so many of us who've, who've received him, we've seen the power of God. And this baby who was born 2,000 years ago, the truth of what he did on the cross still works. It's incredible. And uh, I'm going to move on and move on to another thought in a moment. And we could spend a lot of time looking at the benefits and the responsibilities of being a child of God. But we are stripped for time, so I'm going to leave that. And uh, I just, we move us on to the next slide. Secondly, we're going to look at the wonder that Jesus took on flesh. The scripture said before, the word became flesh and lived and dwelt amongst you. The wonder of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, who was the second part of the Godhead, just as much God as Father and the Holy Spirit, came to earth in human form. And Colossians chapter 1, which is a great passage, if you want to think about how wonderful and supreme Jesus is, says this, that he was there at the start of creation. All things were made through him and for him. He is first in all things and he sustains all things. This is the king of kings, God himself, leaving his place of perfection, heaven, where he's rightfully worshipped and glorified, and one day will reveal himself to the whole world and they'll see how powerful and wonderful he is. And he came and lived with broken humanity here on planet Earth. In doing this, Jesus humbled himself and he experienced the indignity and dependence of being a baby. Without um, being crass, Jesus did have his bottom wiped. Jesus depended on his mother for food and for protection. Jesus was in human form. He was God in human form. And he experienced what it was like to be a man. As he grew, he was ridiculed, mocked, beaten and rejected. More than you and I ever have been or ever will be. And ultimately, he experienced, God himself experienced, the ultimate humiliation of a person, which was to be killed and murdered. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it quite mind-blowing that God himself, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, left heaven and lived on earth as a human. But I also find it amazing that when Jesus came, he was the very nature and presence of God on earth. In the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt on one place on the earth. It was found in the temple in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies, also known as the glory of the Lord. And the high priest, once a year, could sheepishly enter the very presence of God to give a sacrifice for the people's sins. This place was full of the glory and splendor and power of God. And the high priest 
couldn't stand or handle his presence. So much so, what often happened? Well, what did happen was they would put a rope around the high priest's foot. So um, if he died, they could pull him out so no one else could have to see the presence of God because it was so terrifying and so powerful. But when Christ came to earth, the presence and glory of God, which was once only in the temple, now dwell entirely in him. And uh, it wasn't just contained to one place once a year and uh, for one priest to offer a sacrifice, but it was fully contained in this one person who was available to everybody. Men and women were drawn to Jesus. He touched them. He healed them by his power. And even as a baby, the wise men saw him and uh, they recognised this glory, this divinity about him. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 says this, the wise men bowed and worshipped him. The wise, the, this was God himself in human form and the wise men could see, him, could see his glory even when he was a baby. And the great thing is, he's still God today and full of glory and majesty. And this morning we've praised and worshipped and, and, and taken communion together and we've remembered Jesus and we've been in his presence. And I don't know what it's like for you. Um, I know it's a challenge for me. But when I spend time in the presence of Jesus, I sometimes find myself with a bit of a conundrum. And I see how big he is and how wonderful he is. And I think, what is my response to this? Do I, do we, take a glimpse of him and think this is too much? I can't handle him or he'll cause me to change things that I don't want to change? Or do we choose to go in all, to, or do we choose to go all in anyway? Are we like those wise men that Christmas who bowed down and worshipped with all they've got because they recognise his glory, his power, his presence, that he's the one and only? And always will be. Those wives men, wives, wives men, wise men, gave gifts to the Christ because they, because they could recognise his absolute divinity and majesty. What about us? This Christmas, is there anything that we're holding back? Is there anything more that we could do to, out of our love for him? Is there anything more we could do? Is there anything more we could give? out of our love for him? What can we give him? That's the question. I don't know about you. I sometimes find I don't spend that much time with him. Uh, I could spend more time with him. I'm leaving myself vulnerable, but I'm being honest because uh, no one likes a hypocrite. Um, I could spend more time with him. What about you? Could I give more of my energy to the people of God, to uh, people who are struggling doing what Jesus would do, befriending people, being compassionate to people, all out of acts of love and worship to God. Not because I'm trying to strive for it or earn it, but just because I want to show, uh, I want to live a life that is full of his love and doing what he'd want me to do. Maybe our money. That's something we don't mention in church very often, isn't it? And I'm not saying that in terms of give the church more money. What I'm saying is, if there's someone who's in need, 
Are we willing, are our hearts open enough to go into our wallets and make a difference? Or maybe you don't know him. As I, as I said before, you could give your heart to him this Christmas time. Now I've talked about the glory of God inhabiting the person of Jesus, which is amazing. But the glory of God also dwells in you and I. The Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus Christ and he dwells and lives in you and I. And um, for us to grow and for us to be fully what God would want us to be, we have to give the Holy Spirit room to work in our hearts. We're all works in progress. A friend of mine always says, we always have the L plates on. We're all learning. And um, are there areas where we need to give him more room? Maybe there's something that you struggle with, or maybe there's something that you think, that bad habit I have, I need to perhaps give to God and allow him to do something better there and allow him to do what he wants. Finally, my final thought, the wonder that Jesus is full of grace and truth. The passage I read earlier said that Jesus is full of grace of truth, grace and truth. And this is amazing because so many people expect God to be distant, sat on a cloud, always judging and never being happy. But whilst God is holy and perfect and powerful, he's also full of grace and truth. And I want to unpack quickly what those two statements mean. So firstly, what do we mean when we say grace? Well, grace is defined as the undeserved favour of God. He shows the likes of you and I undeserved favour. It's not anything we've done. It's because he loves us and it's part of his nature that he's gracious to us and shows us undeserved favour. And I mentioned before how he showed us undeserved favour by making us his children. But I want to go further than that. Jesus is full of grace and he shows us undeserved favour all of the time. His very nature is kind and full of compassion. He's a giver. He gives us a joy for living and shows us unconditional love. But he's also there to help us no matter what we're going through. This is all his undeserved favour. Now again, with God, we have our part to play. And that is as simple as coming to him and asking for his help and his grace in things where, uh, that might be out of our own capabilities. I have some gifting, but I have areas of real limitation. And this last 12 months in my work life, and also in some social situations, to be totally honest, um, I've come to my little squad of confidence, Becky and my mum and my dad, and, um, and I've said I'm really struggling with this. And the response, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. And as we've prayed, that which isn't in my own capability, God has given me a grace and a favour 
to be able to do things that I wouldn't be able to do. It's the same for you. In fact, in the, Easter, in the Christmas story, there's a statement that Elizabeth makes. And she says, uh, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that is so, so true. We need to get that on the inside of us and be living in it. As soon as we get hold of that, you know, the power of God starts flowing. Because we start thinking, we start believing what he says and suddenly things start changing. It's mighty, it's mighty. And yet it's so, it seems so daft that this baby who came all those years ago um, holds this power and by believing in faith and truth, uh, believing by faith in God that we can access the power of God because he's for us and wants to help us in all our situations. It is amazing. It truly is. It might be that he wants to show us undeserved favour and, uh, and, and, a, and a grace to treat somebody well who we find difficult. Christmas is that time, isn't it, where you, get all, you have to see people you don't necessarily always like or you find tricky or whatever. Maybe it's a family thing. Not my family, of course. Graham's looking at me. Uh, but, um, but it is. It, it's that time of year. And um, God can help us in that. If we ask him and say, Lord, can you give me grace with that person? Can you give me? I want to treat them civilly and decently. Rather, and I can't do it myself because I know what they're like. I still hold... <laughs> I, I, I still hold unforgiveness from 10 years ago about them. But Lord, can you help me? And he will. He will. Um, another area where he's full of grace. When we mess up before him and we muck up or we say something we wish we hadn't have said or we, we join into that gossiping or whatever it happens to be. Um, if we come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, his grace keeps going and going and going. And he says, you know what, I'll help you. Let's have a, uh, another chance. And um, he has no illusions about us because he made us. And, it, and he doesn't get disillusioned with us. Andrew always says that. He doesn't, God doesn't get disillusioned with you because he had no illusions in the first place. And you know what, when we mess up, we co- if we come to him and say, Lord, help me, he gives us a new chance and a new start and a new grace for living. But he's also full of truth. In fact... Jesus said that he is the truth. Everything that Jesus says is truth. And you can rest assured if he has said something, whether it be in scripture or whether it be to you personally or through somebody else, it is true and it will come true. And we could go through and unpack some of the claims of Jesus in the Bible and show how they're true. But again, we're strapped for time. But there's no doubt about it. Every word that Jesus speaks is true. But contrastingly, we live in a world which is full of lies. You see lies in the news, stories of cover-ups and scandal. We see lies in the media, giving us such message as, you'll be valuable if you look like this. Or you'll be valuable if, if, if you have this many friends on Instagram or Facebook. Or you'll be valuable if you can uh, be what we want you to be, essentially. You see lies in the world of work as well. You have to make a success of yourself. You should strive for success and do whatever you can to get to the top. 
But thankfully, Jesus' words are full of both life and truth. And we need to be clear on the words of Jesus and know the truth in this world of lies that we live in. The Bible, without a doubt, is a great place to start. But also, we have the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 16, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So what we have to do is we have to know the word of God, know what he says, but also listen to the Holy Spirit to guide us into the truth and do what he says. I'm going to round up in a moment. Um, I've got a bit more I could have said, but I'm just going to move on. Um, but Jesus is full of both grace and truth. But to see truth and grace in our lives, we have to come to him. We have to ask for his help and stand on his truth, even when it might not feel true. So in conclusion, I believe there's three things that God would want to do in our lives. Firstly, if you've never accepted him into your heart and you want to know God and be restored in a relationship with your heavenly father, ask him this Christmas time and he will come and live in your life. And then please tell somebody as well. That's really important. Tell somebody you've come with. Tell me, tell David, tell Becky, tell anyone in this room, who, who, someone who you trust, because um, it really is the, it's the real meaning of life. It's the real meaning of life. Secondly, for us all, is there anything further we can give to God? And what, what gifts do you have that you could give out of worship to him? Is there anything that will hold him back? And is there more time we could spend with him and with his people? And finally, let's stand on his truth and experience his grace. And when I was praying, um, I, I just want this to be very short. I know time's gone, it's Christmas. Um, but I just want to... Um, Pray over people in this room who have something in their life where they feel they need God to touch them with uh, his grace, his undeserved favour. Maybe it's an area of your life where you feel out your depth and you need him to give you extra power. Maybe it's a person who you find difficult. Maybe it's a family situation that's out of your control and you're worried sick about what's going on, but you can't do anything to help, you, to, to help the situation. I just believe just quickly that God would want to just minister and pour out his grace. So I'd just like to ask us all to stand, if that's okay. Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you are uh, real and alive, and you're full of grace, and you're full of truth. And Lord, um, I just want to pray for anybody in this room who needs a touch of your grace this Christmas time, to give them the ability to do something that's out of their own strength, or that they find difficult. I just want to pray, Lord, that you'd touch them. And if you feel this Christmas that um, 
there's something that you're struggling with and you need God's grace, his undeserved favour, his power, his might, his strength to help you, would you just put your hand up? I'm not going to ask people to pray for you. I just want to know if there's anyone I need to pray for. All right, okay, thank you. Put your hands down. Lord, just, we just pray that you'll give these people extra strength and grace and your mighty power at work in them to do what they can't do in themselves. In Jesus' name, Lord. And fill them with your strength. And uh, I thank you that when we rely on your grace, we're left with a testimony as well of what you've done. And I pray that going into the new year and into the, into the weeks ahead, these people will be able to say, you moved in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Give more strength and power and grace in Jesus' name. Amen.